Osiris. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome back to We Move Through Stormy Weather, a fish podcast where we compare and contrast songs and the evolution of their jamming styles throughout the band's career. My name is Ryan Storm, and today I am joined by Joe May. Joe is the keyboardist, producer, and one of many songwriters for Pluto Gang, a high-energy jam soul band out of Charlotte, North Carolina. They started playing shows in the winter of 2019, just before the global pandemic, and then spent the last year refining their live show and self-recording their debut album, Better Out Here, which came out in November 2020, and I highly recommend you check out. Check out their social media pages as well for info on how to catch them live this spring and summer. Joe saw his first fish show in 2014 and racked up 63 more between 2016 and 2019, which is pretty crazy. Joe, say hi. What's up, y'all? I am uh, I'm stoked to be here. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been uh, Joe and I have been uh, keyboard nerding out on uh, various social media platforms for uh, a couple years now, I think, and so it's good to finally get down and dig into some fish very excited i am so ready i am uh yeah let's do it I, all right awesome I, I, the... I, i'm i almost spoiled what the song was i was so eager so i'll, I'll let you uh I'll let yeah, you no get problem. to it um well joe picked uh the sense and subtle sounds uh which is a fantastic song that i was really looking forward to doing an episode on um the one, the one that i picked um which we'll get to in a little while is one of my uh favorite jams um, from the time period that it was in and just in general. Um, but Joe, why don't you tell me a little bit about, um, before we get into the sense, tell me a little bit about how you got into fish. Oh God, where to begin? A young man in college. So I, 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 I really liked the dead before in high school. Um, and I was in college and kind of hanging with a pretty, jammy heady crowd um a bunch of my friends went up to that hampton run in fall of 2013 uh i did not go i that was forever a regret that today 
Uh, and then I, I caught him in Charlotte the next summer with just a bunch of my friends from school. Um, met more people. And then they were like, hey, come travel to this show with us. And then after like two years of that, I was like, screw it. Wheels are off the wagon. We're doing every show. Let's do it. And I then uh, now now we're in the uh, the healthy lull right now, rebuilding <laughs> that appreciation so that I can dive back in and probably next year. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Love it. And so so what 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 uh, what version of sense did you pick? All right. Today we are going to be uh, we're going to be doing July 30th, 2003. Uh, we're bringing 2.0. It is big boy hours on We Move Through Stormy Big boy Island. hours is an understatement. What is this, like the third <laughs> song of the show, and it's half an hour long? <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's ridiculous. It is It is very brooding. I, so they, that's like the adjective they use on the jam chart, and I'm just going to be abusing that word for the duration of this. Yeah. Um, I was eight years old. I had never seen Fish. I had never seen the song. And I am very ready to be called a custy on the internet. Well, I, I was three at the time, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> I wasn't exactly into fish either. Um, yeah, it, it was really cool. I, I think I'd only heard this jam uh, once or twice before listening to it. Um, I did I did my listening like an hour ago uh, for this. I like to do it as close as possible to recording, so it's nice and fresh. Um, I won't but... tell people on the internet you listen to something that wasn't 3.0. Your, <laughs> your secret is safe. <laughs> It happens occasionally. Um, but one thing that stuck out to me uh, in this jam is how, I'm again, I, I always start the episode with giving some sort of hot take on the other person's pick. But Ooh. I think this jam really didn't feel like, like, I really enjoyed it, but it didn't really feel like there was a ton going on for, like, the first 18 minutes. Like, oh, it just, yeah. it, it kind of, like, it kind of, like, sat there for me. And while, while again, I, I enjoyed it very much, it just felt like the whole first, you know, large chunk of the jam was a lot of um, all four of them kind of doing their own thing, which was, you know, a very common theme at the time. Which is kind of the last four minutes of yours. Interesting. I don't, I don't, I don't believe that, but <laughs> interesting. That That's interesting. My, my pick, I'll, I'll say that now, is... Uh, Baker's Dozen version from August 4th, 2017, which is just phenomenal. I listened to that hundreds of times. Um, in, I was there. When I, when I was in grade 12. Oh, you were there? Oh. Yeah. When I was in grade 12, this was one of the jams that I would listen to pretty much every day. Um, so, like, it's just, so I, I mean, I, I've memorized I, every note of it. I haven't listened to this in a while, but yeah. this was, I, Lemon Night was definitely my favorite of the Baker's Dozen nights I went to. Which what, um, which ones didn't you see? I'm assuming you saw. I went I went to the last five. Got it. Um, I went to the last five. Lemon was definitely my favorite. There was something just electric. Something um, in the air that night. Yeah, I I was alone. I was totally alone. I was meeting up with friends for the next two nights. I just like bought a single ticket. I was hanging with some dude from Chicago. Nice. Um, totally recognized him if I saw him again. Do not have any idea what his name was, and they just threw down. That's sweet. Yeah, th this jam is just, it's crazy. And I, I think the, the, the major difference, I think, between our two versions is yours is very Trey-led. Um, and this one, um, while, you know, Trey absolutely rips my face off for the first 10 minutes, um, there's, all, it's, it's, there's a lot of mic. 
That's what I I have that written and down. And this is and and Mike said yeah. in I think it was like fall 2017ish that this was his favorite jam from the dozen. Yep. Um, and it's just he is absolutely ripping it up the whole time. Well, so I have that in my notes. I neurotically went through both of them again this morning and just like put timestamp notes that I'll save y'all the misery of going through all of that in detail. <laughs> but like one of the main things is just it's it's not only Mike's playing, it's also it's the tone that he's bringing forward. It's how he's sitting in the mix. Yes. Even when he isn't leading, he was already more pronounced in the Baker's Dozen version. And I think that lends itself to like confident exploration. Absolutely. Where there's that part in it's just like it's right in the middle of it where he just gets locked on this rhythm and they just like form in single file behind him. And yeah. where, whereas he's like accompanying the whole time in um Yeah, in the two thousand three version. Yeah, the, the yeah. one thing there was it was at um it was at like like four minutes and something, like very early on in the jam, Mike finds this lick and then Trey and Paige like almost immediately latch onto that lick. It's like the whatever that was yep. early on in the jam mike finds it and immediately trey and page latch onto it and they start building the jam off of that lick and that was Good such memory. a cool moment it's, and it's if, exactly and if you, four minutes ah and and if you and if you watch the video um it, the camera's on mike he plays the lick and then when you hear trey copy it immediately after mike like cracks a grin he's yeah. like ah i did that and, no and i've never watched the video Oh, see, I, I watched the video for both when I was doing this because it was video of the 2003 version as well. True. So it's just on YouTube. But I, I think it adds a you know different dimension when they're both available. This is, this is a rare uh, episode where both versions uh, that we're talking about have pro shot video and soundboard audio. And I have seen neither of the videos. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were at the show for one of them, so that, that counts. I guess. So how do we want to do this? Do we want to pick one and deep dive it? Pick the other? We kind of already started on the Baker's Dozen we just, one. We just, we just keep, keep going. That? Yeah. Love that. Free. F hey, we're, we're, uh, we're already type two in the podcast. Exactly. Every episode. It's just it's, it's, all, <laughs> it's all based around just tangents. It's great. Um, so what, what was it like being in the building for like the first half of this jam? Okay. Let's, let's rewind. Um, I want to rewind Give like the three, of the I want to rewind the 3 months and then I want to rewind 3 minutes. Okay. It's like the grand picture cuz I was just ecstatic and happy to be there cuz like I had just graduated college. I just went traveling. There was no pandemic. I could do whatever in 2017. The dream. And I just went and like acted a fool in the Middle East for a while. I went to Israel and then just stayed for a month. Not Oh, I love Israel. Came back just went on like a big road trip, went backpacking with one of my like old songwriting fish buddies. Got back. I was going to go to like the last two nights. And I was like, wait, what am I doing? <laughs> and I just like got a flight way earlier in the week. Yeah. None of my friends were going to be up there yet. I just like stayed on my buddy's couch. I was, or no, I was sleeping on the floor. Uh, went to the first three shows alone. And I was just like, you know, viscerally living life and having a blast so so you so, saw so the two shows you saw before this were maple and holes yes and maple then, holes lemon boston cream and, and glazed yeah the one where everyone cried at the end yes um so 
to talk about the energy going into this since it would be criminal to not talk about the two songs before it. Yes. Because they had just done Everything in Its Right Place by Radiohead. And I have never heard a crowd louder than that in my life. The only thing that comes close would be Roses Are Free at Rosemont. I was there. In, in fall of oh, 2018 yeah. where oh, yeah. someone called it a crowd explosion. and it I was, will... It was fucked. Yeah, it was exactly. Fucked. It was ridiculous. Like... If you didn't leave with a sore throat, you were you're part of the problem. Yeah, it's it's those magical moments where it's just not a reaction to the song being played. Just everyone just spontaneously is like, "Hell yeah, we're at a fish show!" Like, yeah, yes. Well, so with that, with that, everything in its right place. Like MSG already shakes, but it was rumbling from people just like, "Holy shit, they're playing Radiohead!" Yeah, and it was. Not a very good cover, but it was so fun. And it yeah, was just like people were screaming, having a blast. Really dark. What's the use? Um, I love what's the use. I I don't open my eyes once during that song. And then straight into Scent, no intro. You just knew it was like it took the breath out of everyone. Yeah. And that like that's the energy I have to frame going into this jam. And it's only like 17 or so minutes long but oh my god so much packed into those 17 so minutes. much packed I yeah think, and you can see like trey is just full of energy going into this sense like he was just he was laying back a little bit in uh i mean everything in his right place he was dicking around with fishman's vocals the whole yeah. time yeah yeah um, a little chaos pad yeah and and what's the use you know it, he can rip the melody to the song but he's not really stretching out and he he goes into sense with this kind of purpose and you can tell right from the beginning, it's like it's up tempo. There's energy. Like he's like, we're about to burn the building down again. Aha. <laughs> uh -huh. And yeah. yeah. So we're about to get into the jam. I got to yes. address the most important thing since you love to talk about the jams. Vocal improvisation happens in this sense. Yes. Not just instrumental improvisation, because at two minutes and 45 seconds, there is a. Sucking on a lemon instead of, uh, what is it? Colors in the Sense void. Colors in the void, yeah. So, there's the first improvisational blip. They were Boom. feeling themselves. Yeah. Fishman, <laughs> Fishman, you know, it's Fishman. And and the best part is, in, in the video, he's not, like, like grinning or anything. He's just in the Fishman zone, just oh, sucking yeah. on a lemon. That's kind of his face. That's his, like, focus face is sucking yeah. on a lemon. Awesome. Um, but yeah, and, 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 and you can tell, you know, the rest of the band kind of, kind of starts, the jam starts very melodic, um, yes. as a lot of sense jams do and the, the 2003 one does as well. Um, but if you listen to this one, Trey purposely hammers some like power chord kind of things early on in the jam that yep. kind of, that at least Fishman starts ramping it up and then that causes, uh, Paige and Mike to kind of start you know, jumping in a little more. Paige is kind of playing this cool three over four rhythm there. It's like a. Yeah. Very, very cool. You don't see that a lot. Yeah. What, what's what's also really cool to me about Paige in this jam is that he only uses piano and organ, which a lot of times, especially mm. in the Baker's Dozen, he's flipping from, you know, piano to Wurlitzer, to the Moog, the, to like to the Voyager, to the Rhodes, organ, cloud, whatever. But here he's very. Um, and, and it kind of lends it a bit more of an old school feel just because yeah. there, there's there's no there's no synths. 
or anything. It's just like the piano and the organ. Um, yeah. And so like Whereas the, the in first, but in the 2003 one, it's a lot of that, you know, the clav with ridiculous sustain on it through yeah. the phaser doing like the all that like stuff. And there's synth sweeps at the end. Like, Oh, that, that, that one. Uh, yeah. Just after the 26 minute mark, there's like that huge CS 60 swell that page yep. does. I was like, yep. <laughs> um, and there's some great roads in there as well. Uh, True. Times. And I, I wish I wish he stuck with that a little bit longer. Oh, who is it? I think it's I just... spend sixty percent of our shows on roads. As it's, you should. It's so tasty. It's, it's the best. And I don't even have a real one. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's the best sound. It's so good, buttery. Um. So... so let's let's get into this mic pattern at four minutes. Yes. Mike, I mean MVP of one of the best songs of one of the best. One of my favorite shows of one of the best runs. So. Definitely. Four minutes in, you you have the pattern memorized. I don't have it memorized. What, like, what is he? <laughs> sing it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So around four minutes in, Trey picks up that pattern. And then um, Paige picks up that pattern immediately after. True, true, true. They do that for like 50 seconds. They They deviate a little bit and then they come back to it. And now, like, Paige is the one playing out and exploring beyond that. So, like, they kind of flip. Yeah. Do that for, like, another minute. And Trey's doing this cool lead part where he's playing, like, it's a mix of, like, these stabs and long sustains. Mm-hmm. He squeezes, like, two little peaks in there and over the course of, like, a minute and a half. It's crazy. Uh, it's like that movement is, like, a four-minute, 30-second passage. Yeah. And it's completely novel the whole time in my ear um it's yeah. it's rules it's just and it's it's, it's th- this part of the jam is very old school sounding to me just yeah. kind of like a just a build and a build and a build and just and then trey just starts ripping and when they find like the first white light peak comes at six minutes and 45 seconds into the song true which is okay. pretty which is pretty fast especially uh when you compare it to the pacing of uh, the 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 2003 version that you picked, which, to, you know, to me, I kept I kept there were a few instances where I was waiting for them, like it sounded like they were about to go build up to a huge peak, but then they never did. 
Um, I've got, I've, I've, we'll go into that one. I've, I've got notes. <laughs> yeah, he's got notes. Um, yeah, and I, I think that there was, there was a brief argument um, on Fish.net. I think it was during the Jam of the Year 2017 bracket whether this should be all sense and subtle sounds or sense and subtle sounds, no men in no man's land. Jam. Oh God, it's the classic party time argument. I know, exactly. I, I think it's just, it was a quick, like I think they didn't, you know, switch anything about the natural trajectory of the jam that they were on. They just quoted no men in no man's land and Trey teased the melody. I think it just, it worked perfectly. Well, where they were going. if you listen, Paige kind of alludes to it around seven minutes, 20 seconds in. He, He's not playing it, but he's playing around that like melodic center. Yeah. And Trey, you know, it's it's all a big game of like lateral passes. Trey, Trey sees the pass. He's like, oh, this is a layup and then just rips it. Up. Yeah. Regarding the set list, the my ideology and relayed from the Pluto gang ideology is be as indulgent as possible with your set lists. Give the people what they want. There's no need to be uh, reserved on what counts or not. Just have fun with it. Right. Write yeah. it all out. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And I, I love the way after um, after the no men quotes, Trey just, you know, like as soon as he sings the last no men in no man's land, just goes back to absolutely ripping. Yep. Just, and, and like that for another couple of minutes, like, Peak after peak after peak. The energy in the building must have been ridiculous. So my, my notes right there say, uh, eight minutes in, Trey with foot on his neck, uh, Trey with a foot on the neck, parentheses, <laughs> crucial, and then a new line, asterisk, this is sick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have, I, have a, I have a holy mother of fuck note. Yeah, after exactly. The, after the nine minute mark. Yep. <laughs> that, that whole like eight minutes to 9.30 before Paige comes back in on the organ is just boom, back-to-back -back punches.
Yeah, um, and, and the way that they and the way that they transition themes from the crazy balls to the walls peak to like that percussive plinko groove that they get into for the rest of the jam is yep. so on a dime and so perfect. And I don't know how you possibly execute something that well live on stage. Like just you're just winging it, man. Like you never like, know, you never know what's gonna happen. Yeah, but like, and it's not like they all like looked at each other for like you know like a full thirty seconds before, and they were like you know signaling or whatever trey like kind of glanced at fishman it was like a it was yeah. like a it's like a just a, like a quick glance and then you know that's all you need transition. man it when when you're harmonious on stage it was it's awesome yeah yeah it's it, it's so fun it's fun oh. listening to it there's nothing more fun than playing in a band that's being like turning on a dime we this played a show cool. like a month ago and we like totally switched our stage configuration and we were just like me and the drummer were like facing each other because we were sideways. Yeah, we, we, I was over at his house two nights ago, and we were just talking. And we were like, we have to have eye contact all night because that was a <laughs> like we were just like left turn, right turn. Uh, we were slalom awesome. skiing. I love it. I love it. Let let let's uh let, and then just this like it's like this Mike is in this like tropical kind of groove baseline yep. thing. Yeah, um, and they're just they're just plinkoing. So, this is where jams go to die. Really? That, not, that, you're like, not a fan of the plinko? That, that, like, organ staccato thing. Trey and Mike just messing around. I, I feel like so many jams go there, and it's like, all right, cool. We're going to sit here for four minutes, and it'll slowly fade out at the end, and then they'll take it into Prince Caspian or something. I mean... Which is exactly pretty, what happens. I mean, but it's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty incredible Caspian. That oh yeah you know. oh no nothing bad about it. But I I feel like when I hear yes. that like switch to the organ, that's when I kind of know that they're like, if not wrapping it up, but like not they're gonna sit in that groove and it's gonna be a little like dance party for a little bit. Mm -hmm. But they're kind of they've wrapped their. That's an, Magellan or their 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 crazy worldly adventures. That's an interesting take. I think I mean the second you know movement of the jam is very much uh, page led as opposed to the 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 train centric yeah. first part. And I, I love, I really am like I, I was really drawn to what he was playing on the organ uh, in the second half and how like Trey Trey is mostly hanging back uh, for the second part uh, with lots of like delay and yep. you know he's playing more atmospheric stuff than leads. Um, but there are a few times where he kind of like surfaces and like mirrors some licks that Paige is doing. Like there was mm -hmm. one descending lick at one point um, that I found like there was some great interplay between the two of them. And just every so often my brain would just kind of like, you know, it would just like switch to Mike and I would just be floored over and over again by what he's playing. Cause he's just so on in this jam in the whole song. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, and, and oh, I, I forgot to mention earlier in, in to when when they're like really peaking before yeah. the transition, Mike uh, brings back uh, a couple of times that lick from the beginning of the jam, which I thought oh, was really, nice. really cool. I haven't noticed that. Yeah, he just it, 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 like it's one of those things where like, you know, you really have to you really have to like focus on listening to Mike and then you like really appreciate like how insane of a bass player he is. Oh, well, he's very melodic. So, yeah. like, um, 
he kind of deviates from that like classic funk attitude of hit the one and explore in between all the ones like that that's like the yeah. bootsy secret to playing fat bass lines hit right. the one and see what you can do for three notes um, exactly and god that is a recipe for success oh my god nothing but good things to say for that but mike is very melodic and like he too is exploring like scales and modes to see where it could go and i mean we, we, we reap the benefits here so yeah I mean, and you can really hear, especially in this jam, you can really hear the the Phil Lesh influence on his playing. True, true. Like, ju- again, just deviating from that, play the one, and yep. then you know the other three beats are yours. But yeah, who, who Mike is very uh, not shy about expressing his Phil Lesh influences, both in like tone shaping and playing. So yeah, I, I read an interview with him once where he was like, like. Like he was like chasing the Phil, like Phil's tone at one point, and he was like, uh-huh. and no, and it's like, and it's all in Phil's fingers. Like Mike was like, like in or in the way he plays. Mike okay. said like he went to play Phil's rig once because he wanted to play like the Phil Lesh tone, and like, you know, still doesn't sound like Phil properly because he nope. same same reason why anyone playing a languedoc doesn't sound like Trey, and unless you're you have Trey's fingers. Yeah, true. Um, it's it's it, and it's so cool listening to how he takes um, Phil's distinctive and really unique style of playing the bass and adapts it to his own. And you know, in in my mind, you know, you can hear the similarities between the two of them, but they really are very different uh, bass players. Oh yeah, I, I think at least I, I wouldn't categorize them in the same. Yeah, and it's 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 uh, really cool, style. and I mean. And even even they're in a category of their own from almost any other bass player I've ever heard. Just you know. Yeah, I mean Phil. No one sounds like Phil Lesh. Love to death. This is true. Shout out um, to Dave Drywitz while we're here. Uh, <laughs> it, it was gonna come around to J Rad eventually. My oh, I can't talk about <laughs> without talking about J Rad. But I'll save that for the uh, we move through Rad weather uh, podcast. <laughs> In 2024, when you're done with songs. And... <laughs> when I run out of fish songs. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad I've, idea. I've met Mike twice. They're both pretty funny stories, too. I don't I know how indulgent be. we want to be right now. <laughs> we want to be so indulgent. It's like with the set list. Cool. Hey, everything's fair game. Um, Well, so I met him at Dick's in 2018. Great so run. Dick's is like a big horseshoe where like you go around the other way. You can pass behind the stage, too. There's like nothing there. But I was trying to, like, I just wanted, like, a coffee. I had been, like, fishing and hiking all day, and I was supposed to go to a freaking fish show and rage. I just needed, like, something. And I was, like, going around the back because there were, like, the coffee machine was broken somewhere. And I'm walking around the back concourse, and Mike is just standing in a doorway just hanging out. Wow. And I was like, yo, what's up? <laughs> like, oh, hey, how you doing? Like, he was just waiting for a friend to come by. And I was like, uh. Uh, can I get a picture or something? He just goes, absolutely not. And I just went really? on my merry way. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. That's awesome. The the one time I met him was <laughs> when he did the, the ticket scavenger hunts in summer 2019. And my dad and I found him eating dinner. Like he was, you know, he was sitting in a in a vegan restaurant eating a salad by himself for dinner the night before they were playing in Toronto. Um, and he was he was like super nice. Like and he did let us take a picture with him. <laughs> 
So. so I met him a few weeks later after you did on the ticket ticket scavenger hunt in SPAC. Ah. I, I was in Camden. You know, this would be a great transition. I'll talk about Camden, and Camden will take us back to uh, 2003. See, every tangent finds its way back to the song eventually. It all works. Yep. It so all I, was, I, I was doing that whole East Coast run, and I was in Camden. I was going to go to SPAC. I didn't have tickets. I was being a brat because I didn't want to be on the lawn at SPAC. I was like, I'll find something. There was nothing. I was like, I was hitting every channel, every friend that overbuys tickets, cash or trade, Facebook, nothing. And um, I get to like, I get get into town and I'm with my buddies who also didn't have a ticket. There was like four of us, two had tickets, two didn't. And we were like, okay, let's just like go to a bar and just like hang out with heads and someone will, it, it always works out. It yeah. always works out. And I get out of like the Uber in Saratoga Springs and I check my phone. I was like, I wonder if Mike posted anything. And it was like 30 seconds before. And it's like these pillars and there was a map hidden behind them. And I just look up from my phone and it is like 15 yards in front of me. Wow. And I was like, well, this is just beautiful. And I'm looking, I'm like, yeah, I mean, no way we'll get it. I bet like all the people have already come and grabbed everything. And I walk up, there's a map. It's like a quarter of a map with a hint to how to get to the other piece. But it was like a map that his daughter had drawn and there was words on there. So we Googled the words, which didn't make any sense. And it was actually a store and you needed the other three pieces of the map. We didn't find them. We just Googled it and went into the store. Nice. And walked in and there was just like two pit tickets sitting in a purse. And I walked out. And I was like, hey, Mike, we got the tickets. And he was like, holy shit, that was fast. Like, <laughs> then we hung out with him and his daughter had a super cute day in saratoga and then i was second row back for the uh for the guy getting on stage uh like trying to run at fishman which you said there wasn't video of yeah there, there was no webcast of that and i didn't know that that even happened until you oh, told dude, me about it i'll text you ago. did i text i i sent you that video of them like having yes. fun i, I check don't think out, i check out pluto of, gang uh... band on tiktok if you're gonna see that video. <laughs> that's where it is <laughs> it's a pretty good video I think I, I think I tweeted it out a while ago too. Was, yeah, we're we're trying video. to reconnect with our uh with our Gen Z demographic <laughs> on TikTok. It, it's I mean fun. it seems to be working. Oh, dude, it's super um, fun. But yeah, it was I had a similar thing with you where um I saw the clue like immediately after he posted it and I was sitting in my bedroom, I was packing for camp and I like I go on Instagram, I see that he posted it, I run into my dad's office, I'm like, Where is this? We're getting in the car now nice. it's like 15 minutes from where we live we we drove down we didn't get the tickets but we found mike okay cool so we, we ran into mike you know but my did you have tickets stop yeah yeah we already had tickets we were good, like yeah. we were we were like um page side like seven rows back from so uh, the pit. it was fantastic seats so it was great um but yeah it, it was just fun anyway so speaking of camden Yes. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this sense from seven thirty oh three. Big thirty minute. Let me switch monster. pages in my journal. Oh man. Have I'm you seen the Have you seen the show The Boys? Yes, I have. Okay, this jam has the same emotional arc as the character Homelander. Interesting. So it starts off with this really like beautiful well, first parading. of all spoiler alert if you haven't seen the boys just if you watch that shit. watching it just watch the first episode and then you'll understand what we're talking about 
Watch the first episode and then the last 15 <laughs> seconds of the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so it starts off the same way every sense does with that beautiful, like, D.A. It's very pompous and not pompous, but like uh, it's regal. It has pomp and it's pretty. Um, I can go into my hot take about how it's the same song as Harry Hood. Um, I mean... It's a sim- very similar beginning of the jam. Yeah, it's the... Uh, the d- it's feel D, good. G, isn't it? Uh, it's like D... A- yeah, D, G. Uh, Hood plays A. That's where yeah. I got that from. Yeah. It, like, walks... I hear that, like, implied. Yeah, a. you know what? I, I haven't thought about that, but it is one of those things where, it, it, you know, it's the same chord progression. So, yeah, it, you could but, transpose... But, but you, you can you sing them together. Put... It's you can feel good, good, good about Hood. Colors in the void. Good, good. You can just totally overlap them. They don't like funny they don't step on each other. Fish, if you're listening, you should do that. It's also "Deal" by the Grateful Dead backwards. Yeah. Oh yeah, slightly out of order. Yeah, yeah, two thirds backwards. It's, it, I love I love drawing parallels to different songs. It's really cool. Um. So no, this Homelander allegory. It's it starts off with this beautiful parading like nobility with that beautiful jam. Then it gets into this brooding, like emotionally complex brooding state, uh, which lasts like that's from 15 like eight, minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that's from like eight forty to seventeen twenty. Yeah, and then it gets contemplative. Page brings in this like melodic pattern. It brings on this contemplative thing, and then like twenty minutes in, Trey comes in with what I call the lion's roar. Yes. of guitar tone yeah I and that's just... like this victorious like ah and then it gets brooding again and then goes to full-on angry jam power and destruction and that's the character arc of both the jam and homelander well there you go it's pretty cool i i think um <laughs> i i really liked i really liked the brooding part of the jam it kind of to me it went back and forth from very melodic to kind of dark a whole bunch yep. of times throughout yep. that you know eight minute to 17 minute or whatever um but it, it really still felt pretty type one or at least type 1.5 to me until around the 18 1.5. minute mark i would trey, agree when trey pulls a modulation i um, do not stigmatize jamming within a structure no i'm not, I'm not saying i'm not saying it's a bad <laughs> thing i'm just saying it's 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 a long yeah, time for them it, to be sitting on the one groove, and it's that's very emblematic of the 2.0 era and jamming style, where a lot of the sure. the 30 minute jams, you know, if if they were playing a jam covering the same ideas in 2017 or 2018, the jam would be 15 minutes and probably be just as good. Yeah, like like um, something like something like the Spack Piper, I think you know has around seven minutes of like, really fantastic jamming at the same time it's exposition it's um like page is getting more and more chromatic through all of his like accompaniment building these like and he's playing all these like half steps and tritones throughout there that are like yeah and i like jams that make me like clench my fists and bite my jaws i'm like yeah (laughs) and this it 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 gets you there because if they just went into that like snarling ripping beast of from hell that they get into like 20 minutes in if they went straight into that i'd be like oh shit yeah all right let's let's do this but like they they work you there they they they, they're needing you like a piece of bread until they can just chuck you in the oven 
Definitely. And if if you watch the It documentary, Paige, I think, is the one that talks about how, you know, there's that space that they get to when they've been jamming for 15 or 20 minutes that they can't get to without that, you know, that first 15 minutes of mm. searching. And so, I mean, yeah. now, obviously, now, obviously, it takes them a significantly shorter amount of time to get to that point. But it's interesting to listen to how in that in that first 18 minutes of the song, while it's not necessarily, you know, out of the box or type two, there's still interesting stuff going on. And while, again, I don't, I don't find it as engaging as my Baker's Dozen pick, it's still really cool to listen to how they're all kind of searching for the idea that's going to elevate the jam. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, that's a huge part of that. That's, yeah. that's something like we've been very intentional with our band lately too, of just like, trying to find that landing platform and it's like complete abandonment of anything prior. I, I, I think it's really necessary. Um, yeah. I think the comparison you're making to them getting there quicker now is less a factor of that, but more a factor of them being more melodic musicians now. Like yeah. a lot of this stuff is very rhythmic. Like the end, the last like five minutes of this jam are really, really rhythmic as opposed to melodic. Mm -hmm. Um, I am not a melodic person at all, so I have a lot of appreciation for listening to people that are. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's kind of like a mindset um, of how you get there. Like Dylan, our guitarist, is a very melodic guy, and I, I cannot think like him, but I, I, like, I appreciate hearing the ideas that melodic musicians bring up. Mm -hmm. So I mean that that I mean that's been refined for like thirty years now. So. Right. While while some people may praise to the high heavens or or snarl about the direction of the modern band, it's extremely melodic, and I mean that's just that's hard to do. Yeah, and that that's just you know they've they've always been four quarters of the same brain, but in it they they were four quarters of the same brain in a different way in two thousand three than they are now. Yeah. Um. Because it was James big boy went, hours. Yeah. <laughs> I I love I love that that term for it. That's that's a great <laughs> way to describe it. it yeah, very very dark and and Trey was still, you know, very much leading all of the jams purposely and he he's just, you know, he's soloing in his own world uh for the yeah, first totally. big chunk of this jam and and the rest totally. of the band is you know, around Trey. And 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 it's not to say that you know, they're not listening to each other. Which which there are lots of jams that it feels like you know maybe they're not and I I think the other three are listening to each other and Trey more is more than Trey is listening to them especially in this era I think that's um, fair but you know it, there's just there's a different kind of connection now where Trey consciously will step back and let something like that lick you know that lick that Mike comes up with in the Baker's Dozen version or how Trey or how Paige really takes the lead in the Plinko second half of it. That's yeah. not something that you would really see um, in, in 2003. And if, and if Paige was taking the lead, it would be something for like, you know, a tube or something like that, where he would have his like, you know, the beginning of the tube jam where Paige gets to do his thing on the clav or piano or whatever he's choosing. But it, it only lasts like a couple of minutes before Trey will come out with his ideas and start leading the jam in, you know, his direction. So I, I, it's really, you know, I mean, the whole point of this podcast is to compare things like this. But it's, it's really... So to, to a certain extent, um, 
people argue, and a big part of like jazz training is to make uh, your hands an extension of your voice or your ear in theory. So like you work to like be able to listen and then sing, and then you work to be able to sing and play. That's like a very standard learning progression that I have not spent enough time on doing. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're at the degree of mastery that these guys are, I think your melodic voice and your contributions to the band become like a reflection of your personality. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about character arcs of superheroes. So let's keep doing it. I mean, like Perfect. there's the Trey Anastasio character arc to him being like this. I mean, what comes off is like an overwhelmingly empathetic human being. Um, and I think what you're referring to is musical empathy and selflessness. Which is, you know, that's like the musician Satori is selflessness. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of uh, character work that needs to be done before anyone can go into a song and listen and offer up that much to your fellow musicians. I mean, that's... There's a yeah, meditation I, to be had there. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think the key is one, th one thing I've really realized recently, which is part of my uh one of my roommates has been learning guitar and I, i've been helping him try to you know pick up some different songs does and that work thing, for you guitar makes no sense to me no guitar makes no sense to me but yeah. I, I i know enough about music that i can help him with stuff uh and one thing i i've really noticed in the past couple of weeks is just like you know you have to be kind of especially when you're starting out you have to be like if you're playing along to a song like 75% of your brain has to be listening to the song. Yeah. You can't be listening to what you're playing because you'll get off in your own world. And, and looking back, now that I've realized this, I now can pinpoint moments where, you know, I've been playing along to something and I've ended up offbeat um, just because mm. I've been paying yeah. more attention to what I'm playing on the keyboard than, you know, to what everyone around me is doing. And that's something, you know, when I finish exams in a few weeks and, uh, and go home and get to jam again with my dad and my brother, nice. um, which shameless plug, if you're listening to this before May 8th, 2021, we are streaming live from our backyard, uh, 2 PM on May 8th. Tune in for that. Um, but what, what um, day what I, get, is that Saturday? Saturday. I'll be a goose. It's, it's a pre-show for the goose. It's in the oh, afternoon. oh, it is. Yeah. yeah. It's in the afternoon. Oh, I, could probably, I could probably listen to it in the car on the way there. Yeah. Do it. Hell yeah. Um, anyway, so I, I, I now I'm going to go back with like a new emphasis on listening to, you know, what they're playing and, and less focus on what I'm playing, which is just it's, it's an interesting idea. And I think it works no matter what kind of music you're playing. I think it's such an important thing to do. Shout out to all the monitoring engineers in the music world. You guys are MVPs. Yes. Make we so. we have we we played our album release show and like I, I couldn't hear one something happened with like the opening band was using our guitarist amp and then something switched and I just could not hear him for the first set and it was just like yeah not so good. yeah the, the listening game man well yeah so we have to be when we're playing in our backyard you know we're just in our backyard so we have to like angle everything properly so like and yep. you know and the drums aren't mic'd obviously nothing's mic'd um, yeah we just have you know, I have my keyboard amp. My dad has his guitar amp. We have an amp for the vocals. So I don't play with a keyboard drums. amp. I've never done it. You just go through the PA? 
I can barely, I, I used to barely hear myself. Now I've like, I've got our new console that I can like have a custom monitor mix and I've That's good. started wearing my little earpieces and I'm like getting used to hearing myself. <laughs> and I've like always come like so backward from that where it was like, I had to just like know what, what, what I was playing sounded like. Yeah. And just lean into that. <laughs> and... I, I just put, I, I have an amp because normally when we play, we're in our very small music True. room. So everything's so loud. And yeah. I, I've taken to, like, I had to mic my piano. Because... Oh, you told me your, your whole setup. It's kind of set. Yeah, you it's, dropped the yeah, mic down in there, right? Yeah, it's just like, it's it's a vocal mic just inside the piano. So it just is amplified a little bit. So you can hear it over the drums mostly. Yep. Um, and then when we're outside, I just have, you know, all my boards running through one, just like a, just like a little amp. It's not like a guitar amp or anything like that. It's just like basically a speaker uh, behind me. And so I can hear it and then I have to angle it right. So my dad and my brother can hear it when they're yep. right next to me. And so it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a process getting everything set up out there, but it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, so I, to that context really quick for all of our listeners at home. Um, Ryan and I are like internet keyboard friends. Yes. Who have like shamelessly never even met in real life, but it, it, we're, you're fam in my book. Thank you. You're <laughs> um, fam in my book. Um, well, God, how do we, it was like before I was even doing the Pluto Gang stuff, I was just like made this like dinky like keyboard journal Instagram page. And I think we got connected through there and we were yeah. just like started like what one of my nerd. friends sent it to me and was like, Yo, you should check this guy out. He's pretty it was from Hetty Net, um, whose yeah. identity I won't reveal on this podcast, but <laughs> he's a dear friend of mine. Um, he was like sharing it and we just started like talking about keyboard stuff. Yeah. So it just, it just blossomed from there. Yeah, there's the context for all of you people listening to us nerd out on this stuff. Which, segue time, we can talk about the uh, varying uh, keyboard patches that Paige uses in the 2003 one. Because wow, we were you're, talking about you're you're really good at bringing it back from tangents. That's well, I'm not capable of linear thought. Neither am I. I like I I, I speak all. in. It looks Twists like and turns. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, well, yeah, it's I, I, you know, I start talking about a jam, and then it's like it's like we started the episode talking about the two thousand three one, and then I drew like one parallel to my jam, and then suddenly we were in, <laughs> we talked for like fifteen minutes about my jam, just it it, it happens, and I I love. I'm it. here to I'm here to listen. We're improvising. Yes, exactly. That's what I I love about the open ended structure of this podcast. It's just we just sit here and we just we see where the conversation takes us. Anyway, so what, what were you saying? Different keyboard patches that... Yeah, well, you were talking about how simple uh, the... Not simple, but uh, stripped down his his textural contributions are in the Baker's Dozen one. Yeah. This 2003 one is quite the opposite of that. Um, where, it's, you know, it starts off with the very piano-y uh, classic Sense and Subtle Sounds thing. Um, that's like six minutes in because they play the intro in the 2003 one, but not in the Baker's Dozen. Mm-hmm. Love, love the intro. I lo- I do love the intro. Oh, one thing is that was that a synth marimba from Page? I heard at the beginning of the intro. Oh God, I'd have to re-listen. I heard I, some I... kind of synth marimba. It sounded like, and I it like I don't know if his, um, Elisis Andromeda, which was his synth at the time, has a patch like that. I know nothing about synths. They scare me. Interesting. Yeah, you're a you're a you're an analog keyboard guy. I don't do it. It's it's like 
once I do it, I'm going to learn too much about it. I'm going to get too into it. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't, that's I don't want a very valid concern. That's a very I, valid concern. I don't want to learn it. I don't want to spend the time doing it. I don't want to make that my sound. So I just, I just got like the new Nord that has a whole synthesizer. And I, I programmed one patch and it's the Adam McDougal circles around the sun sound, mm. which I spent like a week just totally hijacking it. And now I don't, I don't touch anything else. <laughs> that's just, that's what it's there for. I have it preset. I just click a button and I never use it during shows. It's Why just not? for me sure. at home. Yeah. Get in there. Uh, you'll, you'll eventually it'll be like one day you're just gonna you're just gonna like it'd be like i wonder what this does and you're just gonna go down the rabbit hole and you're gonna show up to the next pluto gang gig and play synths for like 80 percent of the show and everyone's gonna be like oh God. what is going on it's everything that i hate and i'll stop there before i say mean things about bands that people love <laughs> um but so so we'll, the other... we'll see. It'll, it'll be on one of the singles on album two i'll tell you that oh i love it i love it um, so the, the other, you know, the main synth contribution in this jam, which there was a lot of CS60, which is, uh, that big, yep. like, uh, synth for people who are yep. keyboard nerds like us. Um, there, it's like 25, 26 minutes in. Yeah. Huge swell. I was yep. expecting there to be more after that, but that was just kind of it. He, he just kind of, he was just like a, and that was it. But then, but then, you know. There are a couple times in this jam where he just hits the roads, and I, I have roads in all caps with like four exclamation marks. Like yep. Um, but so he's doing all this textural stuff in there, and I, I think he kind of sets the tone with a lot of it. If I like go through my notes, I said like 10 minutes, 30 seconds in, Paige comes in with this spacey clav, and it creates this like exploratory and evolving musical movement. Um, Mm -hmm. Trace playing these stabs again, uh, pretty similar actually, kind of to um, what he's doing in the Baker's Dozen one with these stabs, and it's it's kind of alleviating some of the dissonance. Like they're building tension, but alleviating dissonance. I because I, they're doing all this chromatic and like tritony minor third stuff, and then they like move into this more melodically pleasant, but they're still building tension in there. It's cool. Yeah. Um. Page comes in on the organ, then like 17 and a half minutes in, and starts playing this really, really melodic pattern. It's like a dun 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 dum. Um, I and think that, yeah, and around then and, and around then or just before, uh, there's some ridiculous cowbell fills from Fishman. Yeah, and he's like, hitting the crashes really hard after that. Yeah. Um so this is where stuff gets real. We I mean we're we're 18 minutes at 20 minutes in at this point. You can talk about how you think some of it was stagnant, but I think that it was all setting the stage for oh, Trey to I, come in with this. Those things aren't mutually exclusive. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm I'm just rehashing kind of. Um, but 20 minutes, 40 seconds in, Trey comes in with the Lions Roar guitar tone. Um, and I, I, and I, hear Mike, I hear Mike just after that with a little bit of, it sounds to me like he's starting like the beginning of disease, like that kind of like oh true rising like space haze kind of thing that he does. Yeah, I dig that. Um, I have in my notes here. Uh, synesthesia and six senses come on. You can smell that shit's about to go down. <laughs> uh, Twenty three minutes in, taking no prisoners. Um, and then Pages comes back in with the dissonance over that like nasty roaring tone. 
the sin sweep comes in fish is just hitting like crashes it's just cacophony that's the 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 china the trash can symbol yeah exactly mashing in the video the camera is on him that whole time and he's just whipping that thing i have in my notes here in all caps angry jams exclamation mark leave no survivors the 2.0 motto big boy big kid hours no no babysitters allowed (laughs) (laughs) you're everyone's on their own here every man you gotta swim with the sharks it's yeah, have you been great. to Camden before? I have not. It is one of the weirdest sheds ever. It is, I mean, as, I mean, to put it in fish context, dark in the daytime. Because <laughs> it's it's walled in. It's like a triangle, and it's totally walled in on the sides. And they have pla- they've painted the sides and the roof black. Oh. And the roof of it is significantly lower, like maybe halfway as low as any big shed they play at. Um, so when it rains, it's, you're just in a sauna in there, but like, oh, it, it is it literally in 2019 there. It did. <laughs> My parents, when, those. <laughs> oh God, it was dumping. Yeah. But like when, when they bring the lights down in there, it is like effectively nighttime at seven o'clock in the summer, especially yeah. if you're further up front. So like, I can only imagine, you know, it's 2003. They had just introduced this song. They played it like four times that month or something like that. I have no clue what the sentiment was in 2003. But if you didn't come out of that experience after 30 minutes and you're like, this is a ripper. I love this. Welcome to the catalog. Yeah. If that didn't happen, well, that would just indicate that people have had the same attitude for 20 years. Yeah. And one last thing I do want to mention about this jam is how it Trey kind of sounds like he's playing a variation on the Axilla riff towards the end. Mm. Like it's not quite the same thing, but I was hearing a lot of similarities between that kind of power chord nastiness thing that he was yeah. doing. Yeah. And the Axilla. Interesting. Riff. I I'll have to re-listen that. to that. No, I'll have to go back to that. It was, yeah, it was, that was a really cool thing for me. I think. I would not hold it past the clever fella. No, he's, he's, he is a very clever fella on that on that on that guitar, um, but I I think this uh, that's a great place to wrap up. Um, I, I can get like behind say, that. Joe, thank you so much for coming on. It's been such a pleasure finally getting to sit down and talk for an extended period of time, not just messaging back and forth. Um, this has been great. So thank you so much. It's been good. I got a, I got a uh, I got a one eighty. I got a Uno reverse card. The the thanks on you. Dude, you are a mastermind of like bringing communities of interest together, Thanks. be it like fish or goose, Twitter, clubhouse, podcast. You um, you're really good at like finding people who have an interest in one thing, and creating like a medium for them to engage in that. And that's uh, it's not an easy thing to do. So I keep that I up. Really dude. appreciate that. Thank you so much, everybody. Go listen to Pluto Gang. They are phenomenal. Uh, their first album, Better Out Here, is fantastic uh they our have a few first, first run of shows starts next week i'm like ecstatic. i'm not gonna be able Ooh. to sleep all week well if you if you're if you're in and around the south go see pluto gang this summer um go hit them up they're they're fantastic i want to see them when i can get into the country eventually um <laughs> so thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of we move through stormy weather hope you have a fantastic day and i will see you next time
Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born, to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.